0: Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Good morning. I'm thankful to be back, but I'm really extra thankful for the six-month break that I was given um, by you, by the community um, of churches. Really, really thankful. It's been a very refreshing time. And so, thank you for doing that. I know it's been a blessing to me. It's also been a blessing to, to my wife and family. Rachel is here. Rachel, if you just stand. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's really been a blessing. Now, today I want to speak about choosing a missional life. It's something that, well, perhaps it's been stirring in my heart for a, for a, for a bit. Uh, not a bit, for a long time. But it's, it's, it's really the call that we that we have as Christians? How do, we, how do we live? And how do we make that difference um, that God has called us to? J.D. Greer in his book, um, Gaining by Losing, asks this question. What should a church look like to you? When you think about a church, what is it that comes to mind? And he he gives examples from the world of the ocean, we are not many of us in the world of the ocean, but because we've got YouTube and we've got all these things, we've seen these things. We've seen, we've seen what goes on. And he says, you know, some Christians see church as a cruise liner, a cruise ship, you know, offering Christian luxuries for the whole family, such as sports, entertainment, childcare services, their business networking, and, and other things. And they, they show up at church only asking, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Um, Does it have good family ministry? Does it, you know, have facilities for everybody? Does the pastor preach funny and time-conscious messages? Uh, I don't know how funny I am. But, you know, those things that meet my felt needs. Do I like the music? If their church ever ceases to cater for their preferences, well, there are plenty of other cruise ships in the harbor. In fact, often they get involved with three or four of them at once. After all, the music in Cruise Liner A and the you know is is great, and the kids enjoy the youth program in in Cruise Liner B, and we do most of our fellowship and Bible study with guys in in Cruise Liner C, and we occasionally listen or we watch now in the days of of of, of, of you know um, online services. We we watch the angry young pastor who is down the road or the guy who tells the funny stories and. And we're just in so many different places. Other Christians, on the other hand, believe that church is more like a battleship. The church is made for mission, and its success should be seen in how loudly and dramatically it fights that mission. And this implies that it is the church institution that does most of the fighting. The role of church members is to pay the pastors and, you know, and, You know, to look for the targets and fire the guns each and every week as they gather to watch. And they see the programs, services, and ministries of the church as the primary instruments of mission. I wonder where you are. You know, would this describe any of us? We often complain about church, how it's falling short of our expectations. Or we get so impressed by a certain leader or a pastor that we become the cheering squad. And we're just telling them, go, go, go. Greer continues, and he says, I would like to suggest a third metaphor for the church, an aircraft carrier. Like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle, but not in the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. They equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. People, the battlefront for us is not in the church gathering on Sundays, Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15, 18. He's talking to his disciples and, he's, and he asks them, But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, That you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On the rock that is the testimony of our faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus is building his church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You know, the church is the one that is attacking the gates. The church is the one going out to the place of the dead and rescuing people from that place of the dead and moving them from the realm of death that is Hades to the realm of life, which is the kingdom of God. You know, Graham makes this this comment. He says, churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves like aircraft carriers, not like battleships, and certainly not like cruise liners. And that means that it's the members, it's you and I, we are the ones taking the message of Jesus to the front line of the battle, to the gates of Hades, the place where we meet those people who so need the life of Christ, who need to connect with the life of Jesus and to hear the good news. you know. And, and so we need to learn and to know how to live and how to share the life of the gospel without the help of the pastor because it's out there where we are interacting with everybody else that God is calling you to be and to be making that difference. That's where you are on the front line of the battle. You know Jesus did it all on the cross, but the message of the cross must be carried to the people and it is carried in the people of Christ. It is how we live, it is how we share that gets that out. You know Jesus repeatedly tells us that we are his agents. Um, to make a difference in the world. He talks about us as the salt of the, light of, of the earth, the light of the world. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the passage we love so much, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know? And what is it saying? He's saying that our salvation, as much as it gives us so much, including eternal life, is an expression of the love of God for the world. This is what it is. As a result, he sent his son and through him brought many of us into his family. But let's always remember God so loved the world and this is how he expressed his love for the world. We start as we respond to what Jesus has done for us. As we respond to the mission of God, we started at the identity level. We must know who we are. We must know who we are. Image bearers of God. Restored to the relationship, you know, with God. Reflecting our wonderful God to the rest of the world. That's who we are. You know, God has revealed himself to us in a very, very special way. Those of us who are believers. And, 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 and he has opened the way to a restored relationship to him. He has brought us not just into a restored relationship, right into his family. We are family members. And it is from this position. As the redeemed of the Lord, that we are declared his representatives. As the redeemed of the Lord, we are told to represent him, shining his light. To represent his love, touching people's lives, proffering the hope that is in Jesus Christ. We help people connect to God. We help people connect to their designs. As image bearers of God. God had a purpose for each and every one. It is starting to be alive in us as we wake up. He wants it to be alive in other people. And the model that we have, the model that we present, is the life of Jesus Christ. You guys know our vision statement. Becoming Christ-like disciples, engaging the world. We follow the model of Christ and we also touch the rest of the world. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 20 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Ambassadors of Christ. Jesus making his appeal through us. But do you see even right there in that passage who we are? You know, know, firstly, we are a new creation. It's done. It's done. Jesus has done it. You are a new person. This is something that is already started. Your new life has already started. Done, and this is a gift from God. It's not something to worry about. You know, I was thinking, you know, oh, you know, am I good enough? You know, have I done enough good things to qualify for for God? Or you're thinking, oh no, I've just done something that is so so bad. I've sinned really badly. Have I still got hope? It's done. Jesus Christ has done it, and it is God's gift to us. The second thing about who we are is that God has given us a message, you know, that he wants to circulate to everyone, but he has declared that it is through us. We are Jesus' ambassadors. He has given us the credentials. We might be bad ambassadors, we might be good ambassadors, but we are credentialed ambassadors of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. That's who we are. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says we are the light of the world. Not that we will be. He says we are. That is what we are. And guys, do not hide your light under a bushel. You know, you've, you've lit it. It's there, but you don't want anybody to see it. Help people see the way. Help people see the way to life. Present your credentials among the people. Let people know. Because you are Jesus' ambassador. That's what you are. You know, I know that some of us, the, the, you know, the question might be in, my, in your mind, you know, but pastor, you know, I, I'm not sure I have what it takes. You know, I, I know I'm God's child, but I feel so inadequate. I'm not sure that I have the tools to live the kind of life that, 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 that will make people follow after Jesus. I don't know whether I have the words to speak to people, help them meet Jesus. Actually, you know, you do. You have everything you need. In Jesus, we have everything we need. You know, first of all, just that enablement for life, the life that God desires. The Bible says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything that you need has been given to you. We have Jesus, we have power, we have a future, we have an unshakable hope, so we don't need to be afraid, we don't need to be afraid of failure, because, you know, we have already been guaranteed our life. We've already been guaranteed not just survival, but an eternal future together with God. You don't need to be afraid of rejection, which is what holds so many of us back, because you have already been accepted forever by the only one that truly matters forever the creator of heaven and earth. And he is the one who makes you competent to serve him as his credentialed ambassador. That competence comes from God life in us. God the Holy Spirit. You know, we might not feel competent. In fact, so many of us don't feel competent. We don't feel confident to carry the message of Jesus Christ into, into that world in which we are walking all the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, the Bible says, Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And this is what we are offering to people, life. We want to bring them from the place of death into the place of life. You know, this was one of the very first, you know, Bible passages that I ever memorized. And it was such an encouragement to me because I really did want to make a difference and, and help people to, 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 to get connected with this Jesus who had brought me to life. And to find that actually, as I listen and as I walk together with him, he enables me. It really freed me up. You don't share what you don't know. You don't share what you're, you're not experiencing. You, you share what you have. And you have the love of God present in you. And the love of God overflowing into other people's lives makes you that ambassador. You know, it starts with trusting God who empowers us, who makes us competent. It's not how much you know, it's who you trust. It's not how much you know, it's who you trust. It's the one that is in you. And that is God, the Holy Spirit. And then we have victory. We have victory. I pray that we remember, you know, what it, what it says, you know, Jesus said about his church in Matthew 16. He says, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not win. They will not prevail. It is Jesus who is the triumphant one. And he's the one we are walking together with. The guarantee of victory is a given. It is given. So we don't fear. We move forward. You know, part of the problem that we have is that we are chasing so many of the things that everybody else, you know, the, everybody else in the world is chasing. You know, we are chasing money. We are looking for power. We are liking, we want those likes, you know, showing up on our, on our, on our, on our feeds. All of that stuff, all those kinds of things. We want to impress people in the very areas that they are all, all chasing after. We want to make them feel, hey, actually, there's, there's very something very special. Maybe we are using God. Sometimes that's what's happening. We are making use of God, using God so that we can maybe get one step ahead, that he can give us something and, and so that people will start seeing, hey, we are somewhere. We make the mistake of thinking of God as a means to get the same things that everyone is chasing. But guys, it just means that we have no idea what it is we have. We have no idea what it is we have. You know, we have God. The creator of everything. Everything that you see and everything that you can't see. We have his promises. And his promises include a life even beyond this one. We have his presence in our lives right now. You know, King David, he got it right when he said, when he was speaking about God, he said, you are my very great reward. And I pray that that will be something that is in you that you start understanding. Because sometimes we say things with our mouths Oh, but man, this is really true. You know, let me tell you, having all those other things in, in, of, of life, they will never satisfy. And it might impress people, but it will not draw them out of death. It will not draw them out of Hades. What you have is so much deeper than that. It's so much more special than that. And, and as you embrace this, you, ha- you will have something in your life that people will be able to see. And in their hearts, they will start recognizing that what you have is what can give them life. They'll start seeing that. They might embrace it. They might reject it. That's up to them. But they will see it. First Peter 3.15, the Bible says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That means set him apart. Put him at the, on the throne of your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Because you, you, they see it. But do this with gentleness and respect. So put Christ at the center. Make your life about him. And people will see something that they recognize, but they can't understand. It's in you. They don't understand it. Some of them will ask you, what is it that has happened? And you will be, you need to be prepared to give an answer. And that answer at its most fundamental is that God has loved you. And he has allowed that your life would be connected to his through the saving power of Jesus Christ. All that he has done for us. The message that you've been sent to carry into the world. We have a mission. Jesus has given us a message that he wants us to pass on to others. And when he sent, when he sent us out, he gave us the great commission. So I'll look there also. Today you're looking at all these two scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. You know, after Jesus had risen from the dead, he had made many proofs that he was alive. Um, the Bible then says that Jesus came to them to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just look at that instruction. You know, the first word there, go, in the original languages. The word translated go here is a participle. If you remember your English grammar, it's like going. You know, as you go, as you go to work, as you travel to different places, as you interact with family, as you meet your friends. This is about full-time Christians. We only briefly meet on Sunday. It's just a brief time. The rest of the time we are out there. Most of our lives is not about being in church. And out there, that's where you're representing Jesus Christ. And he is sending you and I so that we are actively living our life with him actively living out his life in us. And we are bringing his life into that world. Mission is wherever you are. Wherever you are interacting with people, with Christians, with non-Christians, you're interacting with them, you are representing Christ. And guys, more and more, as society becomes more and more secular, you already know this, you know some people, that they, when they wake up on Sunday, they are not even thinking, it will not enter their minds that they could go to church. And even if you just invited them to come to church, you, you'll see that they're, what, what is that? You know, on Sunday morning, ah, uh, You know, there's all sorts of other things that are on their minds. The only reason that they will start getting interested in what is going on is your life lived before them. Your life lived with hope and love and the strength of God present in you. You become that sweet aroma that makes them say, I am interested. I want to understand what you have. And then the instruction is make disciples. That's the command. Helping people to see the truth of Jesus. Helping them to hear the call of Jesus. Helping them to follow. Guys, you can't control whether they will become saved or not, but you can help them see what it means. You know, in the passage in Matthew 16 that we we started with, Jesus said, you know, about the confession of, of, of Peter... It, that it didn't come through the preaching or teaching that Peter had been receiving. Even though Peter had been with Jesus every day, listened to every sermon that Jesus ever preached, was sitting in Bible study times with Jesus, Jesus says it's not that. It's God getting in involved. So as you came and you start opening, God got him over the line. You know, learning from from learning about Jesus, learning from Jesus to the place of believing in Jesus. You do your part. You know, do not take the responsibility of God, but you do your part living that life. As they become believers, we are to baptize them, make them part of the family of Christ, and then we teach them to obey. The life God is calling us to is not just about knowledge. It's the way we live. It's living that truth. And as you live it, you know, you help others also learn how to live it, how to go beyond knowledge to obedience. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, guys, if he is the king with all authority in heaven and on earth, then surely you should obey. And if you believe that he loves you and is always working for your good, and he is, then again it should be obvious that doing what he is asking would be the best interest of your own life. Jesus' promise, as he calls us this way, is that he is with us to the end. The Bible says, he will never leave us, nor forsake us. Remember that. Please remember that. So let me ask you a question. Because God has already given you this role. He has already said who you are. He has already equipped you with everything. Are the people around you feeling the warmth of the gospel in your life? Are they coming to Guata? Are they, are they coming to warm themselves around you? Is the salt of your life influencing their lives? Can they taste and see that the Lord is good as they experience Him through you, through your life? Are you a bringer of blessing to the people around you, to the community around you? You know, would they mourn you? Like, like those widows in, in Acts, there's, there's widows, there's a lady called Tabitha who died, and the widows were all gathered around, and they were just crying, and they were saying, this person has made such a difference in our lives. Would, be, would that be the testimony that people have, or would they be, you know, indifferent? Let me encourage you. Jesus is with you. He is with you. You will experience more of Jesus as you live, more for him. As you live on mission and your life will be filled with the love and the power and significance of his life in you. John chapter 7 verses 37 to 39, Jesus said, you know, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We have the Holy Spirit with us and in us. All the refreshing that you can ever need is available from God's presence in you. It's more than just a small spring. It is a river that is overflowing and is able, therefore, to bless so many of the people around you. And you become a true channel of the blessings of God because others can come. And find drink and find refreshment out of your life. You know, that passage is one of two key passages that the Lord has given me as I was, you know, as I was completing my sabbatical, preparing to re-engage in the work of, of, of the church. And so, you know, if you want to be praying for me, that's a place that you can go to. And I want that reality to be such a rich reality in my life. Guys, your pastors work. Really hard to help us work together, to, you know, to help us, you know, meet one another's needs, to make sure that, that we, 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 we have really good fellowship and all of these other things. Sometimes the demands um, to them, sometimes they will seem like, you know, he's just a service provider and we are customers. And if he does this and whatever and, you know, but we are family. We are family with a purpose and a calling. And the question is, what will you do for your church, for your king? for your king, for his kingdom. In Matthew 9, 37, 38, and and 8, you know, the Bible says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When you think about those people out there, do you start seeing them the way Jesus saw? And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Look around you. There are so many people harassed and helpless. They're lost. People who don't have hope, but they want it. And they are ready to receive it, but they, they need to see it. And we are its carriers. Pray earnestly for more laborers and step up like Isaiah and say, you know, I am one of those people that will be in that work that Jesus you are calling us to. I will step into that work. The most powerful life that can be lived is a life that is bringing life to other people. Everything else that you have and you do will perish. But those that will come to the Lord will live forever. There's no more meaningful life than a life that gives life to other people. You know, as a pastor, my main role for many years has really been in, you know, in the aircraft carrier, so to speak. Yeah? Um, preparing people, developing and training people, and, and hopefully sending them out and helping them be in the battlefront battle until the battle gets done. But I am also on the front line. And I think many times people maybe don't see that. But I'm on the front line in places where, you know, people aren't necessarily impressed by, by my job as a pastor. Um, now, now, by the way, that you guys gave me that title, Bishop, people are very impressed. You know, and I'm called that way. But, but you know, it wasn't, it's, always, it's not always been that way. I don't know whether you know this, but out there amongst, you know, the other people, many people look at pastors as, as very questionable human beings. You know, and it's not necessarily a great professional move. And the question I ask myself sometimes is, you know, have those people come to see me as a light? Am I a light? It's a question I ask myself. You know, one of the core mission areas that I. I've had is within our extended family. And when I left my career as an engineer, one of my uncles was not afraid. In fact, he used very harsh words when he told me that I am an absolute idiot, you know, taking the path that God had called me into. Yet for many years now, he has shown me great respect you know, he listens to my opinion. Sometimes, in fact, I, I think like it's like things have turned upside down because you know I can just see from the way that he's, he, has, he has been defensive in certain times and, and other things, I, I realize that he wants me to respect him. And it's not that I don't respect him. But it's, it's something that he feels a draw. He cle- there's a shift that happened. And recently, he came to the Lord, and we really, really thank the Lord. And it wasn't my doing You know, I just got that news. But because there was a growing cloud of witnesses around him. And as he could see that he didn't have life, but he could see life in those people that were believers around him. And it enabled him to take that step and embrace Christ. It took a long time, but it happened. Many in our wider family have become Christians, even though they had initially been so skeptical about Christianity you know, through those common stories that are given around and through the sad behavior and many, many and you know, sad, huge failures of, of Christians, especially the famous ones, the ones who are known well. But as they have observed the lives of Christians around them, they are forced to start realizing, hey, yeah, this thing is for real. And this is genuine. Even though I can see this person is imperfect, there's something they have in their faith and hope. And, and, and the desire starts to be born to have it, to have it. They are moved from the realm of the dead into the realm of the living. They are moved from Hades into the kingdom of Jesus to true eternal life. You know, one of my friends is a business leader who has built his own very successful business from scratch. He's now engaged as a, as a board member, you know, in many international organizations. And, and you know, he travels around the world um, enabling and, and just He's really respected for, for, for the advice and the support he's able to give. Being a successful Christian businessman is one thing. But carrying your Christian love into those spaces, you know, where your staff, starting from your house help and, the you know, from the very, from the very lowest places to your colleagues, to those people in the boards that, that you're interacting with, that all of these people can see the light of Christ and, and can be drawn towards that followership of Christ. They can see that warmth that is Christ in you and they want to come near and feel that warmth as well. That is missional living. You know, I haven't asked for permission to share other personal stories that you know that were in my mind as I was preparing myself. And so I, I won't share them right now, but I'm praying that we will all learn to share the stories of Christ. Because when we hear these things and we hear what one person has done and the other person has done, it encourages all of us. You know, the small things, the big things, they encourage all of us to live on mission. To live the way God has made us and respond to all the wonderful things that he has done in our lives. In closing, Greer noted We still think that the world will be won by a few hyper-anointed super-Christians who gather large crowds in big buildings. But Jesus said that a spirit-filled church would be infinitely more effective than that. Even if that one hyper-anointed individual was Jesus himself. And if you look in the scriptures, you will find that he himself said that. It's through us. As a church, we truly believe that God has called all of us to live on mission. That each and every one is is, is called to be part of all that God wants to achieve. Even when we have all the planning and the setting up and the buildings that, that our eyes are on. You know, it's not just a monument that we want to build. We want to build something beautiful, but it's not a monument of beauty. We are setting up a base for an army of disciples to take the light of Jesus Christ into the world. Not just for now, but even into the years ahead for many years. That people may come and that they will meet God. That the wounded will find a place of healing. And that everybody may be empowered to live the life that God has for them. And to be that light amongst all the other people. By the way, an aircraft carrier... Um, is, is, is an amazing metaphor because that ship, it has all sorts of facilities. It has a hospitals, it has sleeping quarters, it has halls, it has great kitchens to feed and train the troops, it has places for games for people to recuperate. You know, great attention is pa- placed on, on personal relationships and the building of teams that, of people that will support each other and watch out for each other. And everyone on board knows and is working towards the mission. Carrying the battle to the enemy and gaining that victory. God has called all of his children to be on mission. You're not saved by Jesus for insignificance. You're not saved by Jesus for insignificance. You are saved to be part of an amazing program that God is is working out in the world. You are an amazing person. Will you step forward into the call that Jesus has called us into? Really, this is about making your whole life reflect the life of Jesus in you. Your life can be so powerful, so impactful, so transformational. Another thing. I hope you've heard from this that there is is an invitation to go into that depth of relationship. Because as we know who we are and as we relate with God... We are able to do more. Do you need to go deeper in your relationship with God so that your awareness of who you are in him actually defines how you live your life, defines the choices that you make, deeper so that you know and experience all that he has for you, including his empowerment. And that also requires for you to make a choice. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Invite him in. Keep on asking for him to fill your life. Jesus said, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now I understand that the, our new spiritual emphasis, the next spiritual emphasis campaign, will be about helping us to get to understand and connect with God, the Holy Spirit. Prepare yourself for it. You know, participate in the times of prayer. Um, join others and and, and get and, and prepare yourself. Start asking for God, the Holy Spirit, to be in you and to fill you even now. Because that's where your life is truly found, getting deeper and deeper. And as you get deeper, your life becomes more. It becomes so much more. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I... I thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for love. Thank you for your comfort and your compassion for us. The reality that there is nothing that escapes your notice in our lives. And no matter what else is going on, the one thing we know and we can trust is that you are here. And you are with us. And you are for us. Now, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Oh, that, Lord, you will, you will call us out. That we will hear you. Brothers and sisters, if you're here right now and you're feeling, I want to step more up into that place of being on mission as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as a person that lives their lives as an example to everybody else, that they might see through me, Jesus. They might hear through me, the love of Jesus. I pray that, that you will just, just in fact, just, just put your hand on your heart and just tell him, Lord, here I am. I want to live for you. Oh, fill me with your life and with your love and with your power. Empower me for life. And Lord, I pray that you will fill each and every one of us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might be a people truly living the glorious life that you have designed in jesus name amen one of the things i have also been praying for is that i don't want in my new work in the things that i am to do in this present role i don't want any other fruit than the fruit of the lord and so i want the lord to be with me so so strongly um he he gave me a song um, and it was, it was very interesting because what I was being told was to go and pray and listen to the Lord and, and hear him sing over me. And what song would he be singing over you? And it just happened to be the song that sent me out on my six-month sabbatical that was sung by my, um, my two kids, Geshe and, 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 and Karevi. Um, the Lord bless you, the blessing. And, and one of the, you know, at the end of the song, that, that continuing thing, he is with you, he is with you, he is with you, was really powerful. And so I'm thankful that even as, you know, it's just been um, sandwiched by that, um, that, that the Lord is together with me. That's my encouragement as I start walking into this new role. And I pray that I will be a blessing to all of you. And that the fruit of the Lord, the fruit of the Lord will be the outcome of the things that all the things that we are seeking to do. Um, So the Lord bless you. And once again, I just say thank you so, so much. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721-990-880. God bless you.